Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Decoding SEO versus US and EU. It's interesting topic how you can provide SEO campaigns to use SEO methods for different regions, continents in our case. That's why I'm so excited to learn more about that with Malte Landwehr. How are you? I'm great, Anatoly. Thanks for having me. Already impressed with the video intro we just saw. I uh, didn't know you would prepare something like that. <laughs> It's my team. You know, I cooperate with great people and most of them are smarter than me. I usually don't limit their possibilities. I just tell them, create promo, but don't copy others. Be specific, be unique, <laughs> be creative and simple. Of course, simple. And yeah, they create such promos and I like it. You like it. So yeah, that's cool because today creativity is very important. Before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background and anything that can help our listeners to learn more about you. Yeah, sure. In German, there's this term uh, uh, Kellerkind that you can't really translate into English. It means something mm -hmm. like a basement kid. So I was uh, a bit of a nerd. So I started making websites when I was around 12. Of course, nobody ever visited them. And uh, when I was, I think, like 14, I set up a PHP BB message board with PHP and SQL. And uh, then at some point, uh, people started registering in that message board whom I hadn't told the domain. I was thinking to myself, how does this happen? And then I learned that they came from Google and I found out about Google and PageRank. Yeah, at some point I thought, oh, I have a website with traffic. Maybe I can make money with this. Put some ads on it, quickly realized me discussing parties and sharing party pictures with my friends is not going to make me any money. So I, I started creating content around hotel, hotel, like, like short-term rental flats, these kinds of things. And then from there, I started making more and more websites and uh, uh, went to university, studied computer science with a focus on web crawling, data analytics, machine learning, these kinds of things. Um, started an SEO agency uh, as a co-founder while I was at university. Uh, I learned a lot, uh, had a lot of fun, but it wasn't a successful business. And I would never again start a company with five co-founders. It's just too many people. <laughs> uh, then I had a short stint in, in management consulting where I learned how to explain SEO and other concepts in a PowerPoint slide that uh, a CMO can read on their BlackBerry, which was a little requirement. Every slide had to be readable on a BlackBerry. And uh, then I joined Searchmetrics. Um, Back then, it was one of the three largest enterprise SEO companies in the US and the largest one in Europe. And um, yeah, there I learned a lot about SEO in both on both continents and uh, saw some patterns. Uh, so for example, when like half of our US clients were talking about a topic and just assumed that it's common knowledge, in Europe, only our top 10 customers were talking about that topic. And, and then I realized, like, maybe you can be successful in Europe by looking what's happening in the U.S. And that's how I got interested in this topic. And that's why I suggested, hey, this could be interesting to talk about. Mm -hmm. Nice. Love it. I like your experience. Um, you remind me my journey, you know, when uh, I decided to make my agency one of the leaders in the trade and uh, what we did. We analyzed uh, successful companies in the U.S. And uh, after that, 
we adapted their technologies of course it's i don't think it's a good idea to copy to replicate but adapt it so when you have ideas when you think how you can adapt to get results and yeah we got results uh, um, according to serpstat i remember uh, we got uh, number seven ranking position in ukraine number 15 in russia then we quit in russia we closed our business in russia because of this war but um anyway i i acquired experience in the us to analyze how it works and then i uh, decided what i can use uh, wherein we uh, analyzed uh, mentality people have different mentality customs uh, and uh, today we work a lot with Turkish trade with uh, many different countries and you know it's interesting people are different you know yeah methods are the same but we need to consider their mentality because today it's not like to create content for search engines we need to create content for human being and multi uh, I want to start from the first question can you list the main difference between US and UA uh, from your experience uh, uh how you can differentiate strategies for american websites and european yeah i mean the biggest difference i think is the united states is one giant market where most people speak english and in europe you have lots of tiny markets some of them not so tiny but still very fragmented and then lots of different languages and uh, just to reach the same amount of people that you can reach in the US with English, you need three, four different language versions in Europe and to reach everyone a lot more. So that is a, a very big difference already. And um, of course, we have some cultural differences in the United States as well, like people from New York are a bit different than from San Francisco or from the, from the Bible Belt or, or from Florida. But... Um, they at least have a shared language and some form of shared culture and uh, customs. And in Europe, it's it's very different. Like uh, uh, I, I'm a huge fan of of like the European Union and and try to think of myself often more as a European than a German. But reality is, countries are very different. Customs are very different, and that is, I think, the main foundational thing that's different. And then when we look at SEO. Um, I feel like in the United States, for the past decade, actually, there have been more people who are, I would say, business people or like real managers who just use SEO as a tool. And they are very mature in terms of how to think about team structure, project management, um, integrating SEO either into product management or seeing it as a marketing channel. And in, in Europe, I see a lot of more like nerdy technical SEO teams still being very successful. And um, the, the only thing where Europe is often ahead are some aspects of technical SEO, uh, where weirdly in the US often people, I don't know, they miss it, uh, uh, don't, don't realize it. Like I still remember like six, seven years ago, there were very famous US SEO influencers who said, there's no tool you can use to identify which Google update hit a website. And then everybody in Europe was like, we have Systrix, Searchmetrics, SEMrush, Ahrefs, like just look at to these tools and you can see like the historical graph. And um, also around content optimization, like in, in many European countries, uh, I know it especially for, for Germany and France, um, 
algorithms like TFIDF, term frequency times inverse document frequency, were used so much earlier than, than uh, this topic was big in the US SEO community. Um, so I think that is like the big, big SEO difference. And then, of course, there's people. Uh, 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 and, and there is both language and behavior differences. And uh, I think when you are not an American, it's very important to know that when American, like, like let's say you have a team in America and your coworker says, that's an awesome idea. They don't mean it's a good idea. Awesome idea means it's not terrible, but it doesn't mean that they like it. <laughs> or uh, if you meet someone and they say, let's stay in touch. It just means bye, please leave. It doesn't actually mean let's stay in touch and please call me. Or when people say, oh, yeah, I can ask my very good friend about this. You would assume, okay, it's a very good friend, so that person will help. No, very good friend means a person I know. And um, then there is a an, an behavior in, in U.S. companies that I always find very weird. Like, imagine the CMO uh, uh, has a friend who has an SEO tool, and he tells the SEO manager, please please check out this, this tool. And then the CMO joins the call. Well, when the CMO joins the call, also the VP marketing has to join, the director of digital marketing has to join, the head of SEO and content has to join, the team lead SEO has to join. Like every person who's between the CMO and the SEO manager will join with the logic, my boss is joining and the team member is joining. So I have to join as well. Um, and I've, I've met multiple Europeans who were very weirded out by this, corporate behavior and then on the other hand you look at people in the uk they will say i hear what you say this sentence means i disagree with you that is very confusing if you don't know it or they say i almost agree which means i don't agree i really don't agree they are just nice about it or behavior wise there are some cultures where being late is really okay like I, I have uh, friends who moved to Spain, worked in Spanish companies, and they found it super unprofessional that people were five or 10 minutes late to a meeting and they were about to fire people for it. And then somebody told them like, wait, 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 wait. These are really good employees. Just being 10 minutes late is on time. Like relax, don't you apply the wrong standards. And um, this, is, this is just something you really have to deal with that people behave very differently which is both relevant for talking correctly to your target audience, but also working with local teams in these markets. Because um, many times when you do SEO in Europe, you will have maybe not an SEO manager for every country, but probably for the larger countries, you will have an SEO or at least a content person. And you need to understand that they might think and act very differently. And even if they speak English, they might use words in a different way in a different way. And then one big difference that I found very surprising is how agencies are treated. In Europe, when you hire an SEO agency, it's very normal to let them handle the strategy. And in the US, very, very often I've seen it that companies want to do the strategy themselves and the SEO agency is thus doing the fulfillment, like write 100 articles per month on this topic. That's it. Don't tell us about like the, the general approach. Don't do an audit. This is what we pay you for. And they pay very well. It's still valuable for European agencies to try to get business in the US, but they are treated very differently. And uh, I know a couple of European agencies that 
went to the US or acquired an agency in the US. And then we're quite surprised that people really didn't want to hear them talking about SEO strategy. They wanted to talk them about how well they can write 100 articles per month. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I think these are the main differences people should be aware of. Yeah, valuable. Love it. Yeah, you share a lot of details. And uh, yeah, I have a bunch of questions. Uh, I want to start from question about uh, writing these 100 articles. I mean, like before writing, we need to find who can do it. Because, for example, uh, 12 years ago, I had a team of writers who wrote about anything, about weight loss, finance, anything. I gave them topics, they wrote Google ranked. It doesn't matter what kind of content, US, uh, I don't know, Australia, Ukraine, <laughs> they wrote for any region, for any uh, topic. Uh, then things change many times. I fired this team. Uh, uh, okay, uh, okay, Google helped me to fire this team, you know, pushed me forward you don't need to have these people <laughs> and uh, today uh, i cooperate more with experts who know the topic you know for example if they know uh, and have proven record uh, for example right now we are cooperating with people who write for forbes investopedia bloomberg um, great websites uh, I, I can check out their traffic they have traffic uh, on previous publications yeah we cooperate but what about considering local uh not local seo even more like uh, us and europe um, you mentioned many examples <laughs> what kind of difference very good friend in the us i know people are so polite i'm in florida i see ev every single day people are polite i love it i polite with them as well i respect their culture uh, but i think in spain uh, people are most uh, i don't um I don't remember exactly. Someone told me they're more uh, straightforward. Now, without that, they just can tell what they think. Now, uh, without any hesitation. Uh, so that's okay. It's their culture. Uh, and I respect it as well. Um, <laughs> I love it if someone will speak what they think, not uh, because of some, uh, I don't know, <laughs> something that uh, it's not allowed in the culture. But anyway. Can you tell how it's important to find writers in specific area? For example, if someone is good with a uh, topic, uh, know the language, but uh, uh, lives in other places, I don't know, like India, Philippines, because it's popular today. Many companies are hiring people, including me. <laughs> you know, because, uh, you know, I can hire people um, in the US and in Pakistan, because, for example, a few days ago, we got a good mention uh, from Sienna. We use PR campaigns. Uh, it's like our main link building strategy. And um, the guy we cooperate for a long time, he uh, is living in Pakistan. Um, and he uh, has good experience as well. Not like Forbes, Investopedia, but uh, good websites as well. And uh, uh, he wrote a few press releases uh, to get real good mentions, including CNN. Uh, my PR specialist told me for 16 years, it's the first time when CNN replied and even to submit this mention. <laughs> so yeah, that was valuable information. Anyway, I want to ask you about how it's important to find specialists in specific area. <laughs> yeah, um, 
I mean, a specialist you always need, right? You mentioned already it, yeah. if, if anybody writes about a topic and then in terms of like Europe versus the US, I mean, the requirements I think are the same. But the important thing is if you have content in one language by an expert, you can't just translate it. You need to localize it. Uh -huh. And uh, uh, there was a very good example from uh, Uber recently, Uber Eats, this this uh, food delivery service from Uber. When they started in Spain, they uh, talked about uh, desayuno. I don't know if I pronounce it correctly. It means breakfast in Spanish. And they used mm -hmm. a picture from the American website. So pancakes and bacon. And neither mm -hmm. pancakes nor bacon are something that people in Spain associate with <laughs> breakfast. So you yeah. can't use that picture or something simple uh, the languages in the us and the uk are the same but they write the date differently the U the uk is day month year the us is month day year so if you show them the same content they might understand it differently or there are some words in the us and the uk that are different fries in the us are chips in the uk or cotton candy is candy floss an apartment is a flat a cookie is a biscuit Or there's the word solicitor. In the US, it's a door-to-door -door salesperson. In the UK, it's a lawyer. Uh, or the word pissed. It can mean angry or drunk, depending on where you are. Or a trainer. In the US, a yeah. trainer is a coach. In the UK, it's a sneaker. And uh, a, the, like, if you just translate, you might translate it very wrongly. I mean, the most extreme example, I think, is Australia. Um, The, the Australian term sick cunt is an absolutely impossible swear word in, in the US or, or Britain. In Australia, it means a nice person or an, no. an admirable person. And um, if, if you let an Australian write the way they write in, the, in Australia, that content would not fly in the US. And um, this is still within the same language. And now, now you have to repeat that for, for every country. Uh, in Europe, because almost every country in Europe has their own language. And um, if you if you just translate it and the person who's doing the translation knows nothing about the topic, they might miss certain things in the translation. Um, I mean, there's this famous example where uh, um, the, the uh, Mark, uh, what's his name, Mark Hamill, the actor of Luke Skywalker, he gave an interview or mm -hmm. a speech or something and said, may the force be with you. And the person who did uh, uh, the German translation didn't know Star Wars. They didn't know about the sentence, may the force be with you. They didn't know it. So they translated it as a date. I will be with you on May 4. <laughs> and of course, that made zero sense. Um, and, and this can always happen when you just translate. So even translation, it must be localization. And mm -hmm. an expert should, should look at it. I think that's the important thing mm -hmm. there yeah nice examples uh i wanna ask you about something that it's hard to ignore today that was simple yesterday hard today impossible tomorrow ai now i think it's like a regular tool and uh, i used ai before chat gpt today i can use a lot more i think that Uh, this tool is the number one in my <laughs> toolkit um, because I write a lot, uh, edit, translate, uh, many things I can do with AI. But I want to ask you about using prompts with translations or localization. For example, if I have the text, 
valuable text for specific area written by an expert who know the topic but if i wanna convert this text to other culture uh can i do it on ai for example if i use prompt like uh please uh, adapt this content to spanish people uh use their language or culture i don't know anything about that what do you think yeah i think if you provide ChatGPT with the context, like for which audience in which country this uh, piece of content is, um, the translation that comes out of it is much, much better than what you could do with Google Translate or DeepL, where you only select a language. Yeah. And um, I mean, I've never done it in production. I don't know if there might be some hallucinations coming in from, from ChatGPT that, that um, damage the content quality. And if it's very important content, like medical advice, for example, I would at least double check it by a human, let them read over mm -hmm. it. But uh, yeah, I think that can be a great uh, use case for a, a large language model to not just do translation, but even do localization. Yeah, you know, we usually uh, we have some landing pages that we uh, translate to uh, plus 30 languages and uh, we do it uh, on ChatGPT, and uh, after translation from English uh, to other languages, I start from Ukrainian and Russian languages because I, I can speak them, I can understand. So I read if I understand everything right. If I can't fix anything, then uh, I go ahead with other languages. So yeah, it works, it works. Uh, and uh, a few times I got translations uh, that I can't edit looks fine everything's fine why i need to uh, provide this human touch of course it's better as you mentioned to have this human touch yeah much better but uh, anyway it saves so much time even if you have this human touch because you don't do this job from scratch uh, malta i want to ask you about uh different regions you know for example okay uh europe i don't remember how many countries plus 50 countries yeah a lot of countries uh, and if we are going to create content for all countries to cover all uh, european union uh, do we need to create separate domains or we can do it in one domain but uh, then we can duplicate content because uh, not duplicate i mean like to have similar content uh, for different people so uh, uh, can you provide the best solution <laughs> Yeah, I think there's not one definite best solution. Mm -hmm. um, if you are a rather unknown brand, if you want people to enter their credit card information, then maybe a country-specific domain is better, like uh, have the .fr for France, the .de for Germany, etc., etc. But if you are a very well-known brand, I think you can just go with the .com domain. Uh, there were many successful examples where people also migrated from all their CC TLDs to one central .com domain. And, and it worked very well because then uh, the countries where you have less of a presence, they profit more from the countries where you are very strong. If you have these individual domains, you need to do content marketing in every country, etc., etc. Um but um, yeah, for example, if you are a very large online shop, 
then I would go with country-specific domains because people are more likely to give you their credit card information, trust you, buy from you, and you will probably have a lot of pages if you're a large online shop. So it's good to have different domains. But if you are a company like Apple that needs a couple hundred URLs, I mean, apart from, from what's happening in iTunes or the App Store, um, then probably you can just have one central domain and um, just just work with that. Yeah, I agree. So if you have strong brand recognition like Apple, Amazon, yeah, Amazon separates. Yeah, Amazon has uh, different domains, uh, but Apple.com doesn't need <laughs> because, you know, of this authority, trust, uh, yeah, it's enough to open Apple.com. And Apple doesn't care a lot about SEO traffic <laughs> because of this brand recognition. I think, yeah, of course, everyone wants to have this traffic, but uh, some brands don't care a lot because it's not the main marketing channel yeah uh, branding works well for these brands uh malta i want to ask you about um seo mistakes uh you know from my experience um i made a lot of mistakes i keep doing them because i don't know how to learn another way because i usually start from generic strategies best practices then i think how i can adapt to move uh, to go ahead and i love to stop myself to fail i always fail uh, i don't remember even one time when i got success from the first attempt outreach pr always fail but uh, after failing many times i understand okay i understand the process how it works i can hire someone else or keep doing this uh, in most cases i cooperate with great experts for example in pr uh, i i can't hire people if I don't know how it works. That's why I usually read a lot, learn a lot. Then uh, after uh, experiment, experimentation, testing, sending this press releases, I fail. Then I understand, okay, I need to fix something in my process uh, to hire people who understand how it works to have this extended experience. And it works. It works uh, well. So can you list mistakes that you see companies still do and your tips how to avoid them and find another way Oof, i mean there are so many mistakes um uh, a funny one in germany was recently that a uh, a local luxury brand they accidentally put a no index tag on their website and they left mm. it there for a couple of weeks uh, so that was one of the more unnecessary and rather stupid mistakes even and, linkedin uh, linkedin did this uh, mistake as well uh, i don't remember exactly like a year ago yeah they did it as well <laughs> yeah um i mean you just should have monitoring for these kinds of things and that's actually the advice have have monitoring if seo is important you shouldn't wait until you lose all your rankings and then start a big manual audit for a couple of key metrics you should have monitoring that just checks certain things um on a daily basis um, then a very common mistake I still see is to build a website or do a website relaunch or develop a new online shop and then ask an SEO agency to please add in the SEO. And of course, that's not how it works, right? You need to have somebody from the SEO team at the table from meeting one. You need to have the requirements from the SEO team before you build the websites. Um, before you create content, you might want to talk to an SEO about keyword research and, and how to structure things. And uh, uh, yeah, the, so the mistake is trying to add SEO after the fact. And I think uh, 
there my my advice is to involve your SEO early. This mm -hmm. this would be my my top two mistakes that I see. Mm -hmm. And uh, what about uh, keyword research? Uh, you know, um, I see when webmasters use tools like Google Keyword Planner, SEMrush, Ahrefs, many great tools we have, Ubersuggest, it doesn't matter. Just they use keyword research tools. And what they usually see? They see high volume keywords. If you type any keyword, all tools list high volume keywords first uh, and uh, go down with less volume. And uh, most webmasters start from high volume keywords they take them they can uh, imagine the traffic wow i want to get this traffic you know but you know for example uh if i take the keyword seo in the first it's hard it's really hard to get this keyword in the top 10 because we have moss we have neil patel ihrefs many great big companies websites that deserve this ranking position and i remember when uh yeah one customer asked me please help me to get uh, in the top 10 the keyword weight loss i i replied okay i can uh, show me your website and he replied no no i'm going to launch this website soon so but uh, uh, can you do it for three months you know because someone <laughs> promised me on fiverr <laughs> I replied, no, sorry, I'm not magician. It's better to cooperate with someone who promised you on Fiverr because, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea how to do it because it takes time, you know. Uh, and um, in the second, even if you have this keyword in the top 10, it doesn't mean that you can sell your products because uh, big companies can allow having this keyword and it can help them like pillar topics because uh, it covers uh top funnel but um, we need bottom funnel where we can sell products so of course we can uh cover uh customer journey but uh, i mean like uh it's it's hard to get these keywords and it, it doesn't sell so can you tell how to find the right keyword ideas by using keyword research uh, because we have especially even more about the last question about that uh, um, i see when companies list like uh uh thousand keywords ten thousand keywords or uh if you group them like uh, hundred pages but they have like one two copywriters on their teams um, i don't know how to create uh, hundred pages uh, at scale even by using ai a ai can help but uh, can't increase the speed so uh, so far so any tips about creating the right strategy <laughs> Yeah, I think um, Ahrefs has a new feature around this that I haven't tried out yet, where you basically can also sort by by keyword difficulty or mm. um, a way to find keywords where at least one very new or very weak domain is ranking in the top 10, suggesting that you with a weak or very new domain could also jump into the top 10. And what I always did when I was building my own websites was, uh, hi there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um was i i started with the long tail like the 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 longest long tail i could find where there was still some search volume i created the what i believe the best content for that which was sometimes a very short blog article just answering a very specific question and then you see if it ranks and if you can't even rank for uh how to achieve weight loss uh on the weekend by eating bananas i mean this is now a random made up keyword um then you will not rank for weight loss 
And uh, if you can rank for the long-term keyword, um, target the one that has slightly higher search volume, slightly higher keyword difficulty, see if you can rank for that, and then keep going. And at some point you hit a, hit a ceiling, like maybe you can rank for like the, the long tail questions around weight loss, but you can't, you can't rank for the keyword weight loss yet. And you probably can't even rank for weight loss women, weight loss men, like some of these like chunky middle keywords, or maybe they are also still in the short head. And, but once you have built your foundation of like 20, 50 long tail keywords, it becomes actually simpler to rank for one of these uh, highly competitive keywords um, because you have started to build your authority with Google, your trust, and then you can create one pillar page to, to rank for like the, the higher search volume term. And while you go there, you can already earn links with your long tail content um, because long tail content is very often um, a good answer on, on Reddit or Quora or, or people might ask questions on Twitter where you can reply with, hey, I actually wrote an article answering exactly this question. So you already have some content foundation. You already have uh, links. And, and trust and authority with Google, and then it becomes easier to rank. And with all the long tail articles you've wrote, definitely look into Google Search Console, see what other keywords you are already ranking for, and then either include them in the articles or create specific articles for them. Um, because anything where you already have impressions in Google Search Console, you already know Google is associating you with that topic, and you know there's actual search volume behind it, because all the search volumes you see in the tools can be wrong sometimes. So um, yeah, start with the long tail, uh, work your way up slowly and always double check in Google Search Console. You often find so many nuggets in, in Search Console for, for content websites. So that's, mm -hmm. that would be my advice for, for keyword research. And I, as I said, I believe Ahrefs now has a filter specifically for this. Mm -hmm. And uh, what do you think about this metric, uh, keyword difficulty? Because Google denies this metric. This metric was created by HRF, SEMrush, Moss. Uh, and uh, in most cases, this metric uh, is calculated uh, uh, according to external and internal backlinks in most cases. Um, I don't know if they have some other ratio but in most cases links and uh, what i see some seo experts prominent experts can tell me that no <laughs> this metric uh, uh, doesn't help a lot you know because uh, and many of them even ignore this metric and um, i saw many times when you can create high quality valuable content uh when keyword difficulty is high and it ranks well uh, and uh, vice versa when you you can think that you have high quality content you know because yeah it's hard to uh, be biased on that but you know uh, and uh, after getting even backlinks you can't get so you're uh, thinking about this metric <laughs> yeah i mean i try to build such a metric uh, myself when i was at search mm. metrics um and from that and the limitations in computation power, I know that none of these metrics are perfect. And mm -hmm. if you take 10 keywords and you have the time to look at them manually, ignore keyword difficulty. But if you have half a million keywords and you want to 
narrow the list down to maybe a thousand keywords that you take a look at. Keyword difficulty is an okay metric. Like it's never going to be perfect, but it can give you some indication. So if you have a large amount of keywords, I, I would use it. Um, but if you have a very short list of keywords, of course, you don't need keyword difficulty. You can just type the keywords into Google yourself. And yeah. uh, I, I think the main things to look at is, are these websites specifically targeting this keyword? Like is the keyword in the title or a direct synonym of the keyword in the title? The second thing is, do these key, these individual URLs have backlinks? And then do the domains that they are on have backlinks? I mean, in my opinion, these are the top three factors for, for keyword difficulty. And um, if you have a short list, 20 keywords, just look at this yourself. You don't need a metric that's not gonna, never gonna be perfect. Yeah. Awesome tip. Love it. Love it. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. So yeah, if you have short list, yeah, then you need to cover short list, <laughs> but you can cover long list. And of course it's better to choose priorities. Yeah. Awesome advice. Okay. Uh, I have the question about your experience. Uh, you know, what I found that I usually get high results with customers who know SEO or understand SEO. So if they have the basic knowledge, then we can cooperate together like a cohesive team. It's my loving strategy, by the way. If I'm learning myself something new, I try myself fail all the time, then I can I, I can hire right people. And uh, let's imagine you started today from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills. It's your first day in SEO. What will you do today to learn more about SEO? I would go to learningseo.io, the website from Aleda Solis, uh, that I think is a very good resource for beginners, and I would read. Um, and I would start a blog about a topic that I'm passionate about. Um, I would use WordPress as a CMS. I would install something like Yoast or Rank Math to have a little bit more influence over it. And then I would just start writing content and see what ranks. And I would try to test as many of these methods as possible that influencers talk about on, on Twitter and LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. I, nice, I really nice. think like doing things yourself and trying them yourself is one of the best ways to learn. So if you want to learn SEO, you need your own website. I couldn't agree more with that because, you know, it's like Cristiano Ronaldo. You know, he doesn't read a lot of books how to play soccer. He hits the ball thousand times a day, you know. I think, you know, you can learn everything, but if you do nothing, you get nothing. And uh, you can get the most skills, but we have this short memory. People usually forget about something new for a few days. I can forget for a few hours. Tell me, I will forget. But if you implement, if you execute, yeah, you, you can... Uh, uh, learn through experience it's much better less knowledge but more action and uh, i have the final question about future uh, can you take your crystal ball and tell us what kind of future will be because we have ai today apple uh, will launch this product uh, augmented reality uh, uh, headset so uh, yeah, things can change, but how we can adapt to this possible future and your vision about the future? I think there are two big topics. Uh, one is AI and the other is, uh, especially in Europe, regulation. 
so in Europe, we now have the Digital Services Act, the GDPR, a couple of other things that actually influence how you are allowed to do online marketing, how you are allowed to track users, gather data, even something like uh, tracking your core web vitals might not be allowed without consent. And that's going to be quite tricky for, for Europe-based companies. And then with AI, I see two dimensions. One is, of course, the search results. Like if this search generative experience that Google is testing in the US were to roll out everywhere, it could significantly change how people search. It might kill the simple informational queries, just answer them directly. Or a more extreme thing, maybe something like ChatGPT becomes the default interface to the web, right? Right now, most people start their session in the Google search bar. Maybe in the future, it's going to be an, an AI chat. And that can change everything, how people navigate, how they discover information. And the second dimension of AI is doing SEO. Um, because in the past, I needed to write a complex regular expression or XPath to extract certain data from a website. Now there are already AI agents where I can say, please find all the product pictures and prices, and then they do it themselves. And uh, I've seen first demos of, of AI use cases to fix errors live in the content management system. Um, you mentioned yourself, content creation, translation, improving content. Um, in the past, it was very expensive to tell a human to please read these 1,000 articles and update the ones that need updating. It would take them a year. And that means three articles per day, which is very good if they take zero vacation days and are never sick. And with an AI, it might only cost a couple hundred euros, actually even less. It might cost only $100 to say, please read these 1,000 articles every month and make suggestions where they are out, to, out of date, where they need to be updated. And uh, this can totally transform how we do SEO, how we think about content quality. I believe that one very smart person with good access to AI tools might do a better job than 10 SEOs who do everything manually. And this is probably we're going to see a couple of very small companies disrupt the market and just uh, build very, very, very good websites, um, or at least very successful websites um, uh, with a very tiny team. And I think we're going to see a huge wave of spam. Like content creation is so incredibly cheap now. Um, I think the internet will be flooded with AI content. There is now a feature in WordPress where everybody who has the WordPress uh, uh, Jetpack add-on, that's from the official WordPress company, uh, uh, Automatic, uh, they have now a button, write content or translate content. So uh, we will see literally hundreds of thousands of AI-generated spam domains and it's going to be interesting. It's going to reach a point where Google will not be able to crawl every spam website out there. Um, and people will be able to click a button and relaunch a website in a different layout with a slightly different language, with slightly different internal links. Um, it, it will be crazy times for spammers, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting prediction, you know, long prediction. <laughs> I didn't expect that you <laughs> share a lot of tips. Uh, uh, Malta, it's a big pleasure to get in my show to learn from you. I like all your tips. 
especially you did it on Friday. I love this day, you know, I have special feeling from school. Uh, today I love Monday as well, but uh, on Friday, you know, this special feeling. And I check out a few studies that if you want to get more money uh, from your customers, your boss, ask on Friday <laughs> because <laughs> people have the special feeling. So Malta, it's a big pleasure to meet you on Friday, to learn from you. Uh, tell our audience the best way how to keep learning from you, how to reach out to you, how to follow you. Uh, if you search for my name on either Twitter or LinkedIn, you can find my profile, follow me there. I share something like once a week, maybe every two weeks. Um, that's the best way to keep up with what I'm doing. Nice, nice. Guys, you can find the link to Twitter, LinkedIn account in the description below. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. Love it. So valuable. Welcome back anytime to share more valuable insights. Guys, you need to follow Malta because you can see a lot of value. Okay, love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.